Issues Etc. relies on a small group of faithful supporters called the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. These listeners have pledged to become monthly or annual contributors to Issues Etc., and this allows us to budget our expenses more efficiently. Now, there are four levels of giving. The Confessor, $25 monthly, or an annual gift of $250. The Apologist, $50 monthly, or an annual gift of $500. The Reformer, $100 monthly, or an annual gift of $1,000. And The Patron, $200 monthly, or an annual gift of $2,000. Reformation Club benefits include shirts, books, broadcast transcripts, and advertising for confessional Lutheran churches. Learn more about joining the Issues Etc. Reformation Club on the support donate page at issuesetc.org and look for the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses or call Lynn 618-223-8385. The Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Mighty Fortress is our God. Well, a little bit more than a week from today, many Christians will be marking the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, October 31st. That will fall on a Tuesday, and many churches will be observing, kind of jumping forward a bit, and observing a Reformation Sunday this coming Sunday. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live this Monday afternoon, the 23rd of October. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be looking forward to Reformation Sunday morning observed with Dr. Carl Fakancher here in the first hour of the program. A little bit later in hour two of Issues Etc., Dr. Uwe Simonetto joins us. You might have read this story about a Berlin exhibit that is highlighting how the Nazis exploited Martin Luther's legacy. They claimed Luther not only from his more uh, fiery writings late in his life about the Jews and their lies, that was the title of one of his works, but they also claim him as a national hero and in some ways a founder of the fascist movement that was Nazism. How do we debunk that? Dr. Uwe Simonetta will do that with us in hour two of issues, etc. Feel free to join us over the next two hours of the program. Our in-studio email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. Our Twitter address, at issuesetc. And the issues, etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. Joining us to look forward to Sunday morning, which will be observed as Reformation Sunday, Dr. Carl Fakencher, professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fakencher, welcome back. Thank you so much, Todd. So what can we say about a 500th anniversary? Well, it's an amazing thing, Todd. Uh, You know, many times, frankly, uh, even the last several years as we've been counting down to the 500th, I've honestly pinched myself to, to, to realize that, yeah, yeah, this is really happening. Uh, it's difficult for us anywhere we live in history to get a, a grasp of 
what what a big picture we're a part of. You know, we're always a part of such a small uh, awareness. You know, we, we know what, what happened at home uh, yesterday and, and where we're going tomorrow and, and how our kids are doing and all those things that are very immediate and very relevant to us. They're very important. They're not things that God minimizes at all. In fact, everything in the gospel of Christ Jesus addresses everything that's going on right now every day of our lives. But when you can occasionally step back and say, this moment, October 31st, 2017, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, you realize that you really are sitting at a point in history that, that just has to be savored. We, we've got, to, got, we, we got to, to dig in and enjoy this for every moment we can, not on, only over the next eight days. Uh, hopefully, congregations have been doing it for a year or more, and will continue to glow in it for a long, long time past. 500 years. Uh, when I uh, did the math and, and looked at a, a few basic facts, I, I realized that in, in my family line and my wife Claire's family line, you've got to go back 14 generations uh, to get back the 500 years of the Reformation. 14 generations of, of Fikentures and Helmreichs and all the, all the other names associated with us um, go back uh, to the day when Luther nailed those 95 theses to the castle door of the church in Wittenberg and, and all the things that have happened as a result. And, and they have been earth-changing results. For example, just on a, a secular basis, the Reformation completely redrew uh, the, the political lines of Europe. You know, henceforth, there would be uh, Catholic countries like Austria and Italy and France. There would be Protestant countries like Germany and the Scandinavian countries and, and England. Uh, Luther's translation of the Bible into German uh, unified the German language for the first time. It had never been that way before and actually ultimately made possible uh, Germany as a unified country three centuries later. That, that was really part of the legacy of the Reformation uh, in a secular sense. Uh, Things like education for women, something that Luther championed, uh, vocations where where being a farmer or a banker or a builder was just as honored as being a priest. These are all huge, huge uh, things that, that really reshape Western society. But, of course, we realize that the big thing is all of the theological insights that Luther rediscovered. Nothing new, only things that had been there in Scripture that Christ himself had taught us and Christ himself had done for us but in a very real sense forgotten for a long, long time. And without God intervening in this way 500 years ago, uh, we would say, humanly speaking, those eternal truths would have continued to be forgotten. But, but God wouldn't settle for that. Uh, God worked this uh, series of miracles 500 years ago that 500 years later continue to change everything about our lives. We, we who know that Christ Jesus has given us eternal salvation by his death and resurrection, totally apart from our works, we are living in the joy of eternity. We are living our eternal life in Christ because God worked these events 500 years years ago. And, and 500 years ago, when, when Luther nailed those, those, those theses to the door, he had no idea about what was going to happen the next month for him, let alone did he have in view you and me and each one of our lives. But God did. God knew that he was working to save us in 2017 through those events at that time. 
the, the world has changed so amazingly since then. You know, Columbus had just barely discovered America. Uh, many Europeans didn't really uh, recognize that there was a North America. It could have been just some islands that uh, Columbus had bumped into on the way to India. Luther makes a reference once to islands out there somewhere to the west that uh, might be uh, rich fields for evangelism. Uh, th- things have changed so much, so radically, and yet, as we'll enjoy so much seeing in our propers today, the gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. It's eternal, and that eternal gospel really was set free for us by what God did through the Reformation. I mean, this is this really is something, Todd, where, where every moment that we can drink it in and thank God to be a part of these days of celebration is well worth it. The intro it is, and this is when we have a special celebration like this, we often have to ask the question, why this and not that? Because these things are often deliberately chosen for an emphasis like this. Psalm 34 and Psalm 119 make up the intro for Reformation Sunday. Yes, some of the words here are very familiar, and some of the less familiar words from Psalm 34, I think, also have really intentional significance. First of all, the antiphon is Psalm 119, verse 46. We'll start with that and then go on from there. I will speak of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And the glory of Patri, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The antiphon, again, the first verse that we read, Psalm 119, verse 46, is familiar to us as to its connection to the Reformation. I will speak of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. That verse is used as a part of the title page of the Augsburg Confession. When when you see the Augsburg Confession printed, it generally does have, and it has really from already in the 16th century, that one verse printed as a part of it. Because, of course, that's exactly what the confessors were doing at Augsburg. The German prince stood before Charles V, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, and announced that they would really rather even give up their heads, give up their lives, die, than denounce or deny what they had come to know from Scripture as a result of Luther's teachings. And so they spoke before that king, that emperor, and by God's grace, they weren't put to shame. Not only did they not lose their heads back there on June 25th, 1530, but also the truth that they proclaimed has come to the fore again and again and again in the 500 years since. In the 500 years, no one has been able to put to shame the doctrine of justification by grace through faith, that we are saved by what Christ did for us apart from the deeds of the law. Many deniers, many debaters, many disputers, but still God's word continues to ring true on that very point, the point that was confessed. And of course, we also picture Luther at Worms uh, back in 1521, that before uh, the Augsburg Confession, when Luther was standing all alone, uh, some of his uh, supporting princes in the audience, but Luther was the one on the hot seat at that moment with a very real possibility of being put to death, again, by Charles V on orders from, uh, from the Pope. Uh, we thank God that Charles was uh, honorable to his promise of good conduct. When Luther said, here I stand, I cannot do other, I can't take back these teachings that I've given, even if they're contrary to what the church wants me to say, uh, he was uh, allowed to go home safely. And although he was then outlawed just a, a day or two later, uh, God granted him the, the safekeeping of the rest of his life to continue to announce the Reformation. 
And then the other verse that's intriguing to me in the intro, it is one of those verses from Psalm 34. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Todd, we've used this intro year after year for Reformation Day, and and that verse hadn't struck me until this very year. Because this year, when we're celebrating the 500th, I stop and think what a heritage it is that has been passed down to us. Already in the Old Testament Deuteronomy, God told his people to to, uh, uh, teach their children. When they're walking down the road together, a father should tell his son, son, I got something very important to pass on to you, to a new generation. And that's exactly what we're discussing here. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What God has done all the way through history, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, at the first promise of the gospel. And what God continues to do now in our lives in the 21st century, these are things we want to pass on to our children. We want to teach them the things that the Lord has taught us. But specifically, and very specially, the things that the Reformation set free 500 years ago are a rich heritage that we certainly want to pass down. If we go through this 500th anniversary of the Reformation without at least regular churchgoers, uh, church pew sitters uh, in Lutheran congregations, without those Lutherans knowing more richly than before what a blessing and, in fact, what a miracle God has worked for our benefit through the Reformation, then we will have really missed a golden opportunity. But let's not do that. Let's be sure that in even these last days leading up to the 500th and in all the afterglow that follows, let's be sure that our people know even more richly than before that Luther isn't just a guy who was great or brilliant. He certainly isn't a man that we worship, but he is a man that God used in amazing ways to give us Christ, to give us our Savior in the word of Holy Scripture as it had almost been silenced to that point. Come, O children, listen to me. I I, I want my children, that's for sure, to know that they are blessed to live in this 500th anniversary of the Reformation so that they appreciate all the more fully what God taught us in Scripture that the Reformation set free. The collect is, for collects, a rather lengthy one. How does it go? Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. The hymn of Martin Luther that is often sung at the Reformation time. It's a wonderful expression by Luther of a prayer that God would enable us to continue to hear and remain in his holy word. Uh, It uh, is prayed very well here just as we pray it also in Luther's Reformation hymn. Defend us against all enemies. The Reformation is a a battle. It's a war. Uh, Satan would like nothing more than to silence the gospel. And every chance he had, especially in those days 500 years ago, to lead people astray, to lead them to trust in their own works rather than in what God says to us of Christ Jesus, he considers that to be a great victory. Well, we're at war against Satan. And of course, we know when we're fighting against Satan, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. These are, these are the mighty powers in those high and heavenly places. But we pray that Christ would be the one who wins the battle for us, as Luther sings so well and stands a two of a mighty fortress. For us fights the valiant one. Uh, Christ Jesus does hold the field forever against all those enemies, all of whom really are satanic enemies. Everyone who is opposing the gospel really is working for Satan, nothing less. But then, 
grant to your church your saving peace. While war is certainly pressed upon the Christian by the adversary, by the enemy, by Satan, the church always longs for saving peace. We know that we are at peace with God Because Jesus, by his death on the cross, has reconciled us to God. He's taken away the sin that separated us from God. We are at peace with God, which means that we really do have the the shalom, that that condition of total well-being described by that Hebrew word that we translate peace. We have that when we are at peace with God. And we pray, although we know we're in a fight, we're in a battle, that we would not be wrapped up in in warfare, in, in the violence that often becomes a part of battle that we would fight that battle from a position of longing for and knowing that we really do enjoy a perfect peace in Christ. We're not warmongers. We're not looking for a fight. When the fight comes, we don't cower from it. We don't uh, run away from it because Christ is our champion who leads us. But we know that the ultimate destination is that Sabbath rest, that peace that we will have for eternity. And even now we, we rest in the peace of knowing that Christ has really already won the battle for us. So it's a very appropriate collect for this 500th anniversary of the Reformation. When we come back from this break, we're going to look at the gradual for Reformation Sunday, the psalm, which is Psalm 46, no surprise there. And in the place of the Old Testament reading, a reading from Revelation, a message of the three angels. Dr. Carl Fikentry is our guest as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary. Looking forward to a special celebration, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation on a Reformation Sunday. It is the greatest adventure you could ever possibly imagine. It's demanding, it's hard, it's challenging, and what a blessing it is. Dr. Larry Rast, president of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on why a man should consider the vocation of pastor. And it is an incredible blessing to be honored with the opportunity to work with these incredible young men Uh, and older men uh, as well, who uh, are committing themselves to the proclamation of God's Word, the right distinction of law and gospel, and to uh, take the good news of Jesus Christ into all the world. You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, at ctsfw.edu, or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Forming servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Your daily Lutheran Bible class. You're listening to Issues Etc. The Church's Music from the 20th Century. The 17th Century. The 11th Century. Eighth century. The fourth century. 
the best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org Stanza two of the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, Reformation Sunday in this case, with Dr. Carl Fikancher. The 500th anniversary of the Reformation is the theme of this month's Lutheran Witness magazine. Lutheran Witness interprets the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. You can take advantage of their current offer, six digital or print issues for only $6.99 at cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness, cph.org slash try Lutheran Witness. Let's look at the gradual headed toward uh, Psalm 46, Dr. Fikentcher. The gradual is usually held for a season, used for an entire season, like the entire season of Advent. But when you've got a special day like Reformation, a gradual stands alone for just the one Sunday. From Psalm 48, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. We recognize some of the picturing there, Zion, the city of God, the, the place where God's people would, would find their refuge, and he, uh, the psalmist pictures it very much as a mighty fortress, as Luther might, the towers, the ramparts, the citadels, and this, of course, is true. Zion, the city of our God, is a place where God gives us refuge, where God himself is present so that we know that he is that mighty fortress protecting us. And then the point we made just a moment ago from the intro, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God, forever and ever. Yes, indeed. Telling the next generation is a, a vital thing when we talk about the heritage of the Reformation 500 years. We, we know these blessings. They continue to come to us because after the 16th century, after Luther, one generation passed that message on to the next, to the next, to the next, to our great-grandparents and grandparents and parents and, and all those faithful pastors and, and others through the years who continue to pass on the message, we pray that we would do the very same thing, that we would also tell the next generation what the Reformation has meant in giving the gospel of Christ Jesus to the world. There is no Old Testament reading, but there is all the other features here, including Psalm 46. Why is that particularly apropos of a Reformation celebration? Psalm 46 is the hymn that Luther paraphrased when he wrote A Mighty Fortress, and some of the words, of course, there are very familiar. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Picture a mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This psalm pictures something that is, again, always significant for the Reformation, but especially when we look back on 500 years of Reformation. Yes, we have that magnificent picture of God being the mighty fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. And we've said already that the Reformation is, is a battle scene. It always is the war between Satan and his henchmen and the truth of God's word. And Satan wants nothing more than to silence the truth of God's word. And sometimes that means destroying the speakers of God's word. Uh, He certainly wanted to destroy Luther. He wants to destroy every single one of us who believe in Christ Jesus and tell others about Christ Jesus. But God protects us from that. But this psalm also is really significant because it pictures the massive change going on in the world all the time, including the changes in our world for the last 500 years. Verse 2 can be translated, therefore we will not fear, though the earth changes. And that's actually the way the New American Standard Version translates it, though the earth change. The idea that the earth around us is in constant flux is a huge element when we talk about the kind of stability that we have with God as our fortress. Things that disturb us very often are matters of change. Things that we thought were secure, things we counted on, things that were valuable and precious to us suddenly aren't there anymore. And that can cause us to be very much afraid. It can frighten us. It can cause us to be very discouraged. And the psalm pictures the the mountains being moved in the heart of the sea, the, the waters roaring and foaming, the, the mountains trembling, all these things going on in such a way that we could actually be terrified. And certainly, in the last 500 years, countless things have changed in ways that could be terrifying, very discouraging to God's people. 500 years ago, the church, for better or worse, held a central place in everybody's life. Under Roman Catholicism, it was essentially holding everyone captive as prisoners uh, under fear uh, of not doing enough to uh, deliver themselves from purgatory. The the gospel set free in the Reformation made the church a place where people knew they could find security and safety and peace and comfort. But over the last 500 years, that's eroded badly. People don't look to the church with the same respect and honor anymore. People less frequently come to church. The government is trying to restrict the role of the church. False teachings have always been cropping up, but certainly in the last 500 years, more and more cults, such as Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witness, teaching of evolution, all of these things have eroded the place of the church in the minds of people. Even in terms of social issues like abortion and same-sex marriage, the, the, the voice of the church is not heard, or sometimes the voice of the church is on the wrong side. Things have changed. The earth has changed. That can cause us to be frightened, can cause us to be terribly discouraged. Verse 6 says, the nations rage. All of these are efforts of the nations, of the people, of the enemies of God to silence the word of God. But the psalmist says in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. 
It's the Lord who fights for us. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is no question that our victory has been won, as we say in the last verse of A Mighty Fortress. No matter how discouraging the changes in this world may be to us, no matter how, we, how much we fear that the earth is, is turning away from the church, that the, the position of the church is being forgotten, that, that the voice of Christ is no longer hear, heard, the psalmist reminds us that that's not the case at all. He will indeed be exalted among the nations. He will indeed be exalted in the earth. We can simply be still, be silent, know that he is winning the victory for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we come to a reading that stands in for the Old Testament reading. If you would read this to us, and then we'll deal with Revelation 14 on the other side of the break. Revelation 14, verses 6 through 7, some interesting things to point out after the break on this one. We might ask ourselves, why is this included? Here it is. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. Dr. Carl Kencher is our guest. We are looking forward to a Sunday morning celebration of the Reformation with him on this Monday, October the 23rd. When we come back, we'll be looking at that reading from Revelation that we just heard and moving on to the epistle reading. No surprises here, Romans 3 and a gospel reading from, well, this is a little more difficult to figure out how it fits. John 8, the truth will set you free. Stay tuned. If you plan to buy one item commemorating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, I highly recommend the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's titled The Reformation. You'll want to display this richly illustrated book on your coffee table, in your church library, or anywhere you can easily flip through this informative and beautiful book. The Reformation is written by regular guest Dr. Cameron McKenzie. Learn more about The Reformation at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. When pastors talk about us, they call us Ad Crucem. When laity mention us, they speak of Ad Crucem. When non-Lutherans address us, they say ADC Rucam. But no matter how you say it, Ad Crucem is the place to go for greeting cards, artwork, jewelry, ornaments, housewares, church certificates, church banners, and all your gift buying needs. Visit adcrucem.com, confessing the faith through art and word. ADC, R-U-C-E-M.com. The Saints at Gethsemane Evangelical Lutheran Church in downtown Marion, Ohio, invite you to join us as we receive Christ's gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation, which he won for us in his perfect life, death, and resurrection. Sunday school for all ages begins at 9.15 a.m. with a divine service following at 10.30. Visit our website, gethsemane-lcms.org, or find us on Facebook to learn more about our confessional, historical, and liturgical congregation. ¿Qué dicen y qué significan las 99 tesis de Martín Lutero? ¿Cuál es la historia del famoso himno Castillo Fuerte? ¿Cómo y por qué están celebrando los luteranos el quingentésimo aniversario de la Reforma este mes? Aprende más en la edición de octubre de The Lutheran Witness. 
Visite a cph.org slash trylutheranwitness para recibir seis ediciones para seis dólares y noventa y nueve centavos. The Lutheran Witness, interpretando a un mundo contemporáneo desde una perspectiva cristiana. Grace, Faith, Scripture, and Christ Alone. You're listening to Issues Etc. Children are a heritage from the Lord, but what of those who've not been given the gift of a child? The cross of barrenness affects not only childless couples, it affects the family, friends, and pastors who love and care for them. I'm Katie Shurman, and I'm partnering with Emmanuel Press to publish the second edition of my book, He Remembers the Baron, a story about the hope and contentment found only in Christ, no matter the cross we bear. Visit emmanuelpress.us to learn more. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L press Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the confessional Lutheran dogmatic series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Luther Academy. The hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, the third stanza. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, in this case, the Church's Celebration of Reformation Sunday, with Dr. Carl Fikentcher. Dr. Fikentcher, you read before the break the three verses there, two, two or three verses of Revelation 14. What would you have to say as we look forward to Sunday morning in that reading? Well, one might wonder why that's included for Reformation Day, but the answer is really quite historic. It's about 500 years old, uh, actually. Uh, This was a passage that already at the death of Luther was attributed to being a description of Martin Luther. Now, we can dispute that, but here are the words again. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. Already at Luther's funeral on February 22, 1546, uh, Johannes Bugenhagen, who was Luther's pastor, included in that sermon, his funeral sermon for Luther, that Luther, without doubt, is the angel of which the apocalypse speaks in chapter 14. That was a, a rather rapid uh, time, uh, not much perspective in history to, to gain that viewpoint, but actually that's been uh, held by Lutherans uh, for the centuries since. Uh, whether it's true specifically or not, it certainly pictures the thing that the Lutheran Reformation and Luther himself were about. Another angel, that is not a created angel necessarily in terms of, of Gabriel or Michael, but a messenger of God who brings, the, this is the key phrase, an eternal gospel. That really is the point. An eternal gospel to everyone on earth of every tribe and language and people. And this, of course, is precisely what took place 
by God's grace through Martin Luther at the Reformation, that the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ was once again heard far and wide around the world because the message was set free by the doctrine of justification by grace through faith apart from our works. The historic event of the Reformation certainly did set free that eternal gospel, which, as we've said, has been bearing fruit even in our own lives and our own certainty of eternal life in heaven as a result. So it's an intriguing consideration as to what the Holy Spirit had in mind when he inspired John to record these in in the book of Revelation, but it certainly does remind us of what, in fact, happened during the Reformation. The epistle reading is from Romans 3, and this ought to come as no surprise. It is kind of the, the verse, isn't it? It, it really is, yeah. This is, this is the definitive passage, and we'll hear it again, and this, of course, could be more than our entire hour. But listen again with the joy that St. Paul is giving us here. Romans 3, verses 19 through 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We know, of course, that the primary immediate conflict in theology at the time of the Reformation was whether we're saved by what God has done alone or by our works. We remember, of course, the time of the Reformation. Luther was observing the sale of indulgences, prayers to the saints, pilgrimages to Rome, and all kinds of works, venerating relics and so on works by man, things that we were told to do that were thought to earn some favor with God, whether getting us out of hell, at least to deliver us from the punishments of purgatory for a time. But that is so contrary to scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and St. Paul uh, encapsulates it so well here in in Romans chapter 3. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, but now the righteousness of God is manifest, is shown in a totally different way, apart from the law. Yes, the Old Testament Torah and the prophets definitely bear witness of it. The Old Testament taught us this as well. It's the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Remember, Luther had so struggled with that term, the righteousness of God, thinking that the righteousness of God, as Paul described it, was God's intrinsic holiness, his, his righteousness by which he was perfect, but which showed only the contrast to us, and by which God showed us what we had to do and how, how, how badly we fell short, until he realized instead that that righteousness of God 
is given from faith to faith in Romans 1, 16 and 17. The righteousness of God is the righteousness which he gives us in Christ Jesus so that everyone who believes that Jesus' death on the cross, his rising from the grave, his perfect life and his atoning death has made us righteous. Well, everyone who believes it has it. And that magnificent verse 26 that I always come back to, God did this to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just. That is, God is holy. That is, there are things that are clearly contrary to God's nature, which he simply cannot abide. God simply cannot be unjust and say, well, a little sin doesn't matter, because every sin is so totally contrary to God's nature. If, in fact, we were still living in our sin, it would not be possible for us to be in God's presence. God is just. He is holy. He cannot be otherwise than that. But he also wants to be the justifier, the one who declares us not guilty, because God wants us to be with him, and he wants us to be with him in that perfect realm of holiness, in his presence, not in something that would be less than that, not in something that would be corrupted, that would be, that would be uh, 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 messed up by sin. He wants us to be in that perfect holiness, and the only way that could happen would be for him to justify us to declare us not guilty, but to do so in keeping with his own justice required that the payment for sin be made. And that, of course, was the payment, verse 24, which is the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, by his death on the cross, paying the price for our sin, taking the punishment of our sin upon himself so that the just God has been in any, every way exonerated, not in any way diminished in his holiness, no, but he took the punishment upon himself in the person of Christ so that now he is able to declare us not guilty. The wonderful result, verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We cling in faith, believing that Christ Jesus has done it all for us, totally apart from what we do in our obedience to God's just law. Now, I want to get into the gospel reading and uh, with about a minute before the break, tell us what the gospel reading is, and then briefly before the break, why this? Even, I mean, I've been a pastor for close to 30 years now, and um, every Reformation Sunday, I wonder, why John chapter 8 and these verses? John eight thirty one to 36. I'll read it quickly and then give a one-liner, and we'll come back and talk. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And my one-liner to contemplate for just a moment is, what would life be like if we were still enslaved under the demands of the law? Dr. Carl Fikencher is our guest. Ten more minutes with him on the other side of the break. As we look forward to Sunday morning, the church's observance of Reformation Sunday. We'll get into that gospel reading from John chapter 8 right after this.
Remember when education was about the fundamental skills of reading, writing, and arithmetic? And about reading great literature and studying history to give our kids a model for what it is to be a good person? Memoria Press's classical Christian curriculum offers that very model for your homeschool. Get $5 off your next order by using the coupon code LPR17. For more information, go to memoriapress.com. Memoria Press, a classical Christian education that works. If you have a middle school-aged child or grandchild in the St. Louis Metro East, encourage them to attend an open house from 1 to 3 in the afternoon on Sunday, November the 5th at Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois. You can meet faculty, staff, administration, students, and parents. Learn more by calling 618-656-0043 or visit melhs.org. Open house, 1 to 3, Sunday afternoon, November the 5th at Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville. Confessional Lutherans, we've got your back. You're listening to Issues Etc. Religious liberty is an issue I think that we as Christians need to get out in front of. Mark Hemingway talking about his joint presentation at the 2017 Fall Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Whether it's willful or simple ignorance, the media have badly misrepresented this issue. It is also vital that all Americans understand just how foundational religious liberty and freedom of conscience are to the preservation of all American freedoms. And this is something that even those Americans who aren't religious should understand and agree with. I also happen to believe that we as Lutherans, with our understanding of Two Kingdoms theology, are in an excellent position to be the explainers and ambassadors of this issue. You can meet and hear Mark and Molly Hemingway making the case for religious liberty at the Fall Making the Case Conference Friday, November 10th and Saturday, November 11th in Houston, Texas. Registration is $120. Child care is free. Find out more and register at issuesetc.org or call final stanza of A Mighty Fortress is Our God, sung by the Concordia Seminary Chorus. We are looking forward to Sunday morning, the Church's Celebration of Reformation Sunday. Dr. Carl Fikentry is our guest, professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you've enjoyed our special programming for the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, please consider standing with us by joining or upgrading your membership in the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. That's our monthly or annual giving program. Membership benefits include t-shirts, books, broadcast transcripts, and advertising for your confessional Lutheran church. And if you join in October or upgrade your membership, you'll also receive our Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, The Reformation. Learn more at issuesetc.org and click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses, or you can send us an email, lynn 
at issuesetc.org, L-Y-N-N at issuesetc.org, the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Take us into the gospel reading here. The truth will set you free. It sounded like before the break you were wanting to emphasize the the slavery to sin or the freedom of forgiveness. Exactly. And your question was very good, Todd. The question, why is this the gospel reading that we read each year for Reformation Day? We certainly see the, the magnificent Reformation implications of the epistle lesson, but really the fact of the matter is this encapsulates or captures very, very well what the Reformation ultimately was about. If not for the truth of the Reformation, we really would find ourselves enslaved and enslaved to our sin, which is really to say enslaved by the law. God's law, of course, is good and holy. God God gave commandments to us because those are always the ways that we best love God, love our neighbor, which is a very good thing. But when we fell into sin, suddenly we were unable to keep the law, and the demands of God's law are just as valid. And suddenly we find ourselves then struggling, striving to do the things that are required of us that we just can't do. That the tragedy in the church before the Reformation was that people were told to take that thing which enslaved them, the law, and try to find their own way out. The only way to do that is by keeping the law perfectly. Of course, we realize in understanding the Ten Commandments perfectly that we can't measure up at all. But the church, realizing that too, had to develop particular activities, particular things that could mitigate the law, that could could be manageable things, things you could do, like buying indulgences, like making those pilgrimages or prayers to the saints. Certain things we could do to try to satisfy God's law. But Luther realized better than most that try as he might and, and, and doing the things the church prescribed as well as perhaps anyone could, he still was not feeling free at all. He was still feeling totally enslaved. To live under the conviction that we have punishment coming really is to live in a crippling kind of slavery. If a person went through life realizing that hell, damnation, was ahead of him, he would be terrified and paralyzed every minute along the way. That's a terrible, terrible kind of slavery. And then, to compound the problem, to be told that the way out of that slavery was to obey the law perfectly is absolutely even more binding. So, in our gospel reading, Jesus comes along and says, I will set you free. The first thing of note is that the Jews who heard these words didn't realize that they were enslaved at all. We are offspring of Abraham. I've never been enslaved to anyone. They were thinking, of course, that as God's chosen people, they were already free by nature. It, of course, denied the fact that for the last quite a few centuries, God's people had been essentially enslaved uh, by the Babylonians and by the Persians, uh, then later on by the Greeks, and finally at this time by the Romans. And so they were certainly enslaved in a, an earthly sense. They still wanted to claim their, their heritage to Abraham as making them free, but Jesus cuts that down immediately. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You might be free from Rome someday, but if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. That is, if you commit sin, you are unable to keep that law perfectly. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Christ is offering us something which is forever. It's the eternal gospel that Revelation 14 talked about. And what is that gospel? Well, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It all comes down again to what God the Son has done 
and continues to do for us. What Christ did on the cross and what Christ did in keeping the law perfectly is the fulfillment of everything that we could not do. To see Christ and all of his works and, and his, his suffering and death as the, the satisfaction of the law is exactly the opposite of what the church was teaching. It's exactly the opposite of what we are inclined to think when we consider the law to be our way to righteousness. And of course, Luther understood the kind of slavery that that created for him and for all people. How magnificent it is that all of these centuries later, we continue to hear this magnificent gospel. Because frankly, the gospel itself had to be set free from the slavery of those who were silencing it, sometimes perhaps well-meaning and in error, other times perhaps not so sincerely. The gospel has been set free by what Luther and the Reformers discovered in Holy Scripture. And as soon as the gospel was set free, then it could go forward to set each one of us free as well. Todd, I have a a lengthy theme this time, which I'll speak and then review in terms of the things we have shared so far. Here's my theme for this, this particular celebration of the Reformation this year, this 500th year. Though for the past 500 years, the nations have continued to rage, though someday the earth itself will give way, the gospel of Christ Jesus, which God set free through the Reformation, is eternal and forever sets us free from the just demands of the law. Though for the past 500 years, the nations have continued to rage, ever since the Reformation, the 95 Theses, 500 years ago, yes, the world has changed, the nations have raged, uh, fighting against the truth of the gospel in all the ways that we related before, ways that can make us so discouraged, can make us feel as if the church is collapsing, as if we are losing strength, as if there is no hope. Though someday the earth itself will give way, there's really nothing else that we can cling to. The gospel of Christ Jesus, which God set free through the Reformation, is eternal. Revelation chapter 14, that that angel flying in mid-heaven had an eternal gospel to proclaim. The good news of what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection, while all the world may change, that never changes. For 14 generations, five centuries since the 95 Theses, the gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. It is as certain today as ever. It was set free through the Reformation, through God's working in Martin Luther, to discover the truth of the gospel in Holy Scripture, to proclaim it, to preach it, to, to print it, to spread it. It forever sets us free from the just demands of the law. And yes, God's justice had to be met. God is just. When the law demands of us perfect holiness, it is justified in doing so. But by Christ fulfilling the law for us, we have been set free from those demands. And that, Todd, 500 years after the 95 Theses is as true and certain as ever. I really do pray that these days would be opportunities for us to share this with another generation so that if Christ doesn't return for another 500 years, that the thousandth anniversary of the Reformation would still remember the very same eternal gospel that God set free in these great days. 
Dr. Carl Fikenter is professor of pastoral ministry and missions, teaching primarily in the area of preaching at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Fikenter, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you so much, Todd. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., Dr. Uwe Simonetta will join us. We're going to talk about an exhibit in Berlin that shows how the Nazis exploited the legacy of reformer Martin Luther. Stay tuned for Hour 2 of Issues Etc. in five minutes. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Clayton from Zion Lutheran Church of Mascuta, Illinois, a proud supporter of Issues Etc. Zion is a congregation firmly grounded in God's grace given in the Word and Sacraments where we treasure the timeless beauty of the liturgy. Zion is also a vibrant, young, family-friendly congregation where you would be warmly welcomed. Zion is located at 101 South Railway Street in Mascuta, Illinois, and we would love to share God's gifts of grace with you. For more information, please visit our website at zionmascuta.com. Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by joining our congregational sponsorship program, the Issues Etc. 300. We're looking for 300 congregations to include $1,000 in their mission or advertising budgets. You'll find an informational flyer on the support page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. The Issues Etc. 300.